Believe it or not, not all couples who get married go on a honeymoon. Work, financial, and career commitments, among other things, cause couples to skip the honeymoon altogether. And while you might think that's not a big deal, skipping the honeymoon can actually have a significantly negative effect on your marriage and your relationship. On today's episode, we are talking to a real expert on the topic of honeymoons, paying for the honeymoon, and wedding registries in general. She is going to reveal the surprising but very real effect that skipping the honeymoon can have on your relationship, which I was surprised about. So to find out what that is, keep listening. You're listening to Ask the Planner. I'm your host, Desiree Adams, owner of Verb Event Co., a company whose mission is to help couples enjoy planning the contemporary, sophisticated wedding they've always imagined. Together with other wedding industry experts, we reveal the crucial details and industry secrets that will help you plan and enjoy your flawless heirloom occasion. So pop your favorite champagne because we have a wedding to plan. Welcome to today's very special episode of the Ask the Planner podcast. I'm your host, Desiree Adams, and we are talking to an innovator in the industry whose impact goes far beyond the wedding space. Today's guest is Sarah Margolis, CEO and co-founder of Honey Fund. As a bride-to-be in 2005, Sarah and her fiancé already had everything they needed for their home, but they didn't have the budget to take the dream honeymoon. They loved to travel and fantasize about a far-off destination like Fiji to take them away from the stress of working two full-time jobs and planning a wedding. So they asked their friends and family to contribute to a wish list of costs and experiences that would make their dream honeymoon happen. Their wedding guests surprised them with more than $5,000 in contributions. But even more than that, they raved about the idea and asked them if they would make something like that for other couples. The couple were aspiring entrepreneurs with backgrounds in marketing and software engineering, so they put their heads together and created Honey Fund in 2006. The site gained traction by the viral nature of the product because everyone who signed up invited 150 of their closest friends and family to view the page, so it worked really, really well. And fast forward to 2011, Honey Fund was featured by MarthaStewartWeddings.com and then chosen as one of Time Magazine's 50 best websites of 2012. In 2014, Honey Fund appeared on Shark Tank and gained a partnership with Kevin O'Leary, aka Mr. Wonderful, and Honey Fund is now the most trusted cash and honeymoon registry in the wedding space. Nearly 1.2 million couples have created Honey Fund registries and nearly $1 billion has been gifted. I am so excited for today's show. Please help me welcome Sarah to the show. Thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us today. I can't wait to chat. Thank you so much, Desiree. I love how you told our story. I couldn't have done it better myself. It's fascinating, really. And I loved hearing about it, which actually brings me to my next question. So obviously, I read your bio at the top. But can you tell us a little bit more about your story, how you guys got to where you are today, all of that kind of stuff? Yeah. So, I mean, I think you really said it well, but mainly we were just two people who were planning a wedding and trying to figure out how to pay for our honeymoon and host 150 of our closest friends and family to the wedding. And <laughs> we didn't we didn't really want to spend more than like $15,000. This was 2005. We were, you know... We had some savings, but we didn't want to start day one of our marriage with no money in the bank or with loans to pay off 
our wedding day. So we were really looking for budget solutions. And we'd heard of the idea of a honeymoon registry, but the sites that were available were really out of date, even for the web standards of 2005. They were charging very high fees, like 9%. Oh my gosh. For couples to raise the funds on their websites. And we just thought there's got to be a better way. So, you know, my fiance at the time, he was a software engineer and I had a marketing background and we just kind of created our own makeshift honey fund. It was just on our own wedding website. It was like, we're going to Fiji. We want to do some snorkeling. We want to do some island hopping. We want to take this day trip on a sailboat around the Mamanutha Island chain. And our friends and family just went crazy for it. And it was really their enthusiasm, not just in the form of gifts, but also raving about the idea that really drove us to start Honey Fund. That is awesome. And so were you both always wanting to be entrepreneurs and thinking like you're going to figure out something? Or was it just like, we should be able to do this because it sounds like fun. So let's go do it. Yeah, I think it was a little bit of both. Like we both definitely had a vision of our marriage and our family life having that personal and financial freedom of running your own business. I think we were a little naive about the the heavy responsibility and all the stress that can come with it. But ultimately, you know, what we wanted was the personal freedom and the financial freedom. You know, if you'd asked me in high school if I would end up, you know, getting an MBA and becoming an entrepreneur, I would have laughed at you because I was very like you know, I was science minded, but I also really loved music. I ended up getting a music degree in college. I had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up. And so falling into this business was a blessing and, you know, a turn in my path that I never expected. That is so fun. So obviously I have to ask, what was it like to work with Kevin O'Leary? Because I love watching Shark Tank and I think he's so interesting, but he obviously has a persona and I've heard some interviews with him and like some of it's an act, but some of it is obviously real. But what was it like to work with him? And did you know when you went on the show that you wanted to work with him or were you just open to whoever was going to work with you guys? Yeah, you know, when we were planning to appear on Shark Tank in 2013, we were really had our eye on Mark Cuban and Robert Herjavec because they both were very tech focused. And right. you know, we were a, a small tech startup out of Silicon Valley area. And so we were surprised that Kevin's deal ended up being the best for us and that we ended up going with him. But it's been such a blessing. Kevin is, I think, one of the sharks that really personally gets involved with his companies. I've spent, you know, a lot of time with Kevin in person. You know, he hosts retreats for his Shark Tank entrepreneurs regularly. He's amazing at bringing us back to the show. I've been on Shark Tank, I think at least five or six times after our original appearance doing follow-ups at one of Kevin's retreats or meeting Sheryl Sandberg at Facebook at, you know, when Facebook hosted a day for women entrepreneurs. Kevin's just incredible when it comes to really getting like natural exposure for his companies after the show and not just on Shark Tank, but in other ways, he's gotten me involved in PR things that he does. It's been a great relationship. And as far as Kevin's personality, I would say about 90% of what you see is really who he is. And what I love about Kevin is that he's a straight shooter and he's very direct. And I appreciate that kind of communication. I feel like you know, I just want to know what you're thinking. I don't want you to yeah, push he'll tell you it. right exactly what you think. He'll tell me. <laughs> yeah. 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 So we get along really well in that way. And then there's other ways that we really don't see eye to eye on things, but he's been a real champion for women in business. And I know this may not air, but we're talking today on International Women's Day. And this is a really big cause that's dear to my heart. 
he's seen it in the numbers. Most of his investments returns come from women-led companies and his portfolio. So that's been a real synergy for us as well. I love that. Oh my God, that's just so cool. It's just fascinating to hear, but like so nice to hear that he is, you know, you get what you see, but also that he is really, really great for the entrepreneur. So I love hearing that. And obviously we could talk about that for a while, but let's talk about today's topic. We're talking about honeymoons. And so for anyone that might not be as excited to see the world and travel or like what I alluded to in the intro, they're saving for a rainy day and they don't know if they can take a honeymoon. Why do you think, first of all, that couples should definitely take a honeymoon? Why is it so important? So we've done quite a lot of research around this topic, travel and relationships, honeymoons and relationship health. And what we found is that couples who take a honeymoon are more likely to be happily married more than a decade later. And every time I say that stat, I get chills because we knew that Honey Fund was an amazing service and we knew that we were helping couples make their honeymoons happen, but we didn't know how important that was for the long-term health of their marriage. And so now it's our mission to make honeymoons happen for all couples so that they can lean on that tool, the tool of getting away and traveling, you know, down the line in their relationship when things get tough. Yeah, I think that's really great. And I actually mentioned that to my husband when I was very excited to be interviewing you. And I read on the website, the research that you guys had done, and then he's an attorney. So he's like, so when you say travel... Can you tell us a little bit more? Like, obviously, honeymoons are awesome. And if we can't take a honeymoon every year, every five years, whatever, like when you guys were doing your research, like define how much time getting away is really important for couples. Yeah, we haven't narrowed down like a like a minimum viable amount of travel that benefits the relationship just yet. But that's a wonderful question to dive into. So please thank your husband for that level of uh, scrutiny. <laughs> but what we did find when we researched our when we interviewed our couples when Honeyfin turned ten, we did a big study with Haverford College who does like relationship health research, and we found that. Our couples were tending to budget about $2,500 per person per year for ongoing travel in their marriage. And that the main reasons that they wanted to travel was to spend time with each other and get away from the stress of everyday life. So those two stats together, I think, are a good guideline for you know how couples should prioritize travel. But really, I mean, travel is just time away from day to day. So it could be a staycation, just, you know, getting out of your home for the weekend and going to, you know, a lodge or a B&B somewhere near you. It could be, you know, playing hooky <laughs> from, you know, together and going to Disneyland or whatever it is that you love doing together. The time together is the key factor, the, the ability to connect with each other psychologically, physically, in a way that is free of the demands of everyday life. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I feel like even when we get away for just like when we go skiing for the day and we're not worrying about, you know, we're not on our phone, we're not worrying about work and we're just like having fun in the outdoors and doing something else, you just feel more refreshed and in a better mood and I think recharged. So I think that completely makes sense. So obviously you guys work with a lot of couples, you do a lot of research in the honeymoon space. From what you can tell with what your users are doing on the site, are there any trends as far as travel that you see for the future as far as where couples are going? Yeah, so this year was actually different than all the other years. So in the past, our number one single most traveled honeymoon destination was Hawaii. This year, it's Italy. That really points to 
a trend for couples to want to go farther and experience something more different than their everyday lives, to have more sensual experiences, food, wine, you know, music, art, everything, architecture, everything that Italy has to offer. And I think it's a lot of it is also tied to this post-COVID revenge travel trend, which is like, you know, we couldn't get out for two, three years and now we're going big because life is short. You never know when it's going to be all ripped from you. So let's do this. I can totally see that. So piggybacking on that. So was the Caribbean also typically up there as well, but Hawaii was always up. I mean, I'm on the East Coast. I find it surprising, but it also makes sense. Caribbean is definitely in our top five. When we looked at like a single destination versus like Caribbean is full of different islands, right? So Hawaii is better, bigger than, you know, any one Caribbean uh, destination. Mm -hmm. Mexico, Caribbean, Europe was always big as well. But when we looked at it down to like a single country or destination, Hawaii was always at the top. And now Italy has overcome Hawaii just for 2023. I love that. So I recently talked to Zach from the Points Guy and he honeymooned in the Maldives, which is even more exotic because I feel like it's like less traveled too. Are there places that are less well known and farther off the beaten path that you see couples going to now as opposed to before? Yeah, we really see a big trend up in sort of Southeast Europe, like Turkey and Greece and Croatia. These places are really amazing um, sources of like historical knowledge and like the birthplace of many things. Like I just recently learned that the country of Georgia is actually the birthplace of wine. And I never knew that before. And I would have thought like <laughs> Italy, right? Like yeah. the Romans and the Greeks. Yeah. yeah. And so and they have all these different kinds of wines and different winemaking practices. The flavors are so different from what you might have from France and Italy and, and California. So I think really like going beyond just the, the old standbys of Rome and Paris and London, couples are really looking to dive deeper into culture and history and humanity, which is just really, really fun and interesting. Okay, so now let's talk about Honey Fund itself because I'm obviously familiar with it, but some people might not be. So I think, you know, in the past, asking for money has been a faux pas, you know, etiquette, all that kind of stuff, but things have been changing. How do you feel about people asking for money as a wedding gift? And then do you feel like people's perceptions have been changing even since when you guys started Honey Fund? Yeah, so I mean, when it comes to money as a wedding gift, if you look across, all of you know human culture and time, you find that money is far and away the biggest, most common wedding gift of all time in every place. <laughs> and it's really only the last hundred years about it. <laughs> yeah, it's really only in the last hundred years in the U.S. that the idea of a department store registry kind of overtook money as the standard wedding gift, and that's really just you know the effect of American capitalism at work. <laughs> <laughs> So I think it's very normal and common for not only for couples to receive money, but for for wedding guests to kind of, you know, default to that, especially because America is a big melting pot and you have a lot of people from different cultures that are still very big on giving money, Asian cultures with the red envelopes and Indian and Latin cultures. We find that it's, you know, very acceptable and normal. What we did with Honey Fund to address the sort of very current American idea that there's some faux pas around asking for money was we really encourage couples to 
make it about asking for their honeymoon experiences and making a wish list of things that they're going to do on their honeymoon. So things like, you know, I mentioned for our Fiji honeymoon, snorkeling and day trips and romantic meals on the beach and upgrading your room or your flight first class, things that are really going to make that experience more of a honeymoon than, than a normal trip would be. You know, we've had a lot of success with this, you know, in, I think it was in 2009, Emily Post Institute came out and said honey funds are just as etiquette approved as any other wedding registry. And so, you know, and I, I think the proof is in the nearly $1 billion in gifting that has gone through the platform. And it's just easy too. And I think a lot of times people just want something that's easy to do. So they're happy to, maybe they'll just have to choose whatever their money is going to go to. But I feel like it's having to have them spend less time on finding you the right gifts and choosing it and picking it out. I think just people just have less time these days too. So I feel like having this option is very, very helpful for those people as well. Yeah. I mean, it's convenient, but it's also really fun for wedding guests. Like we get this comment all the time. That was so much fun to buy an experience, you know, versus just towels or sheets or forks. Right. No one ever buys the sheets because they want to think about what you're doing in the sheets. (laughs) Right. But they do want to think about you like, you know, going on a sailing trip or, you know, Mm -hmm. having a romantic meal in Paris. And a lot of times wedding guests get really into like buying the couple something that aligns with maybe something they did on their honeymoon or a place they went or a kind of experience they had. And it's a way to connect at a deeper level than like a physical store-bought gift can allow for. Awesome. So I know that Honey Fund lets couples ask people to gift money towards the honeymoon. If it doesn't have to be that it can be house payments, they can donate to charity. I know. So other than the honeymoon, even though we've established it's very important to go on, on the honeymoon, what other things do you see people asking people to donate to when it comes to how they use Honey Fund? Yeah. So Honey Fund's been used for so many amazing things. We we are always really wowed by the creativity of our members. Had couples, obviously, home down payment is very common or home improvement projects, charity gifts, other things like paying off debt. You know, a lot of couples want to start their marriage on a solid financial footing and feel like, you know, the debt of the past is, you know, not coming into their relationship. That's how I felt when I got married. So paying off debt, saving for, you know, some new life adventure, like moving or having a baby. Some couples have registered for fertility treatments. It's a very expensive process. We've had couples who are really adventurous and have registered for marathons around the world. We have a couple who is still on their honeymoon 10 years after they had their original honey fund. They never came home and settled down. They've just continued to travel the entire 10 years. (laughs) That is amazing. Who are their guests? Are they like in the different place? Yeah, so they they go to different places. They stay in different places all over the world. Their wedding guests funded the first year of their travel, and then they decided they were never coming back. They actually started a website called Honey Trek. I think they basically get paid by destinations to stay there and write about it and share it with other travelers. I mean, there's something for everyone. That's awesome. Good for them. That's fascinating though. It's because of you guys. That's so interesting. (laughs) We do have a special friendship with the Honey Trek couple. (laughs) I definitely have to look into that. Well, maybe we'll have them on our podcast. You should. So I wanted to ask you about this too, because I know that Honey Fund recently announced that it's no longer charging a fee for people to gift you money, which I think is huge. I know a lot of couples ask, you know, who do you think we should go with? They All these places charge, even with like, but I don't really want to be like, well, you could use Venmo because I just feel like that's, 
I don't know, feels kind of tacky. You'd be like, here's our Venmo. But I think it's really smart that you guys are making that change. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and what made you guys decide to do that? Yeah. So, you know, in 2022, we, we really spent a lot of time with our mission and we did all that research that showed that couples who honeymoon are more likely to be happily married. And we really felt like, how can we double down on our mission and be more there for couples and help more couples who wouldn't be able to otherwise go on their honeymoon. At the same time, we saw this shift towards kind of a Venmo workaround on some of our competitor sites. And we felt like while that's, you know, helpful in terms of the fees, it's also introducing that like ick factor, you know, like just, you know, direct deposit my wedding gift. It's just, it's not right. as fun, you know, shopping for honeymoon items and it's not, it doesn't feel as heartfelt. Yeah, it feels more transactional. Yeah, more tra- exactly. And so we were looking for solutions and, you know, through just a lot of grit and grind, we finally came up with a way for our company to earn money while not having to charge the couple. And we do that in a couple of different ways. We have, we work with travel providers who advertise on our site and, you know, we publish deals from these partners and we earn a commission on any bookings that couples make. We also have amazing partners. Like we just partnered with E-Trade to really promote their Super Bowl ad, which was the E-Trade baby attends a wedding and is like the best man and his baby friends get married. And it's really fun. And if you've never seen the baby commercials from E-Trade, they're just really fun. And I saw them. They were funny. Yeah. Yeah. So we help them amplify their Super Bowl ad and drive couples at an important life stage when they're starting out financially together to you know start an E-Trade. So we have these great partners that really believe in our mission, that believe in our couples and want to help them with a vision of their happily ever after, which is what we're all about. Allow couples to register for gift cards, digital gift cards on their honey funds. So if you are like, you know, you know that you're going to need some help paying for that hotel, you can put a hotels.com gift card on your honey fund. When you buy that hotels.com gift card, both your honey fund money we earn a little commission on that. You don't have to pay any extra fees or anything for it. And so it's a win-win for everybody. So this was just a lot of trial and error and hard work over 16 years, figuring it out. And it, for me personally, it was a really big, like, you know, arrival point. Like we finally did it. We finally made it fee-free. That is awesome. And I feel like the fee-free is huge and I fully support that. So guys, definitely check out Honeyphone if you're not using it. It's definitely the best solution out there for asking for cash for your honeymoon or your wedding. So completely support that. Okay. So I know you, you went through the wedding planning process. You know, now that you're on the other side, what advice do you have for couples that are listening that are planning a wedding? Oh my gosh, I have so much advice. First and foremost, I I <laughs> I really believe in having an authentic budget. And what do I mean by that? What I mean is like sit down, look at how much money you have in savings, look at how much you, time you have to save between now and the wedding, talk to your friends and family who you know would be pitching in to make the wedding happen and come up with a number that feels doable to you and doesn't feel scary. It doesn't feel like it's going to stress you out or put you in a negative on day one of your marriage. That's I feel like that's money is one of the things that Couples fight over the most. We know that from research into marriages. We also know that if you are able to communicate about it, if you're able to get through conflict about it, and you're able to come to a compromise or an agreement or something that feels right to the two of you, then you're more likely to be successful you know, financially as a couple down the line. 
And the, a wedding is the perfect practice ground for that kind of conversation, for that kind of, you know, process of working through conflict. And so don't avoid it. Don't sweep it under the rug. Don't, you know, plan a wedding that really truly costs more than you can afford because in the end you're going to regret it. And and so that's that's my number one piece of advice. We actually publish a one-page wedding plan. It's just a worksheet. It's a one-page worksheet that helps you figure out that budget and do crunch all the numbers. And you know, in the end, what matters is your marriage. The big day is awesome. But what we're seeing amongst our members is couples spending less on the wedding and more on the honeymoon. That is that is a trend that really just COVID really turned that upside down. That formula. Couples are like fine with not doing the big white wedding. You know, we have couples doing flash weddings and pop-up weddings and, you know, park weddings and backyard weddings and all kinds of really cool solutions. And we cover all that stuff on our blog so that you can get inspiration from other couples who are doing it their way. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I think definitely to the point about the budget, we talk about the budget all the time on our podcast and it's not worth it to stress out and go into debt over this day. I think, you know, people can celebrate how you want to, but I think the connections with the people that are there and being able to be present in the moment is so much more important. I will definitely get that link for you from you for the worksheet that you have and link to that in the show notes. So guys, stay tuned for that. You know, the wedding can be beautiful and you know, what you dreamed of, but I feel like prices are going up and I see the trends of how weddings are costing more and more and more. And I know that there's this one venue that I'm thinking of that really increased their prices a lot in our area. And I just think about like the word that came to my mind was being venue poor or like wedding poor, because if you spend all this money on this one thing or like on the venue or the whatever it is, but you don't have money for anything else, then is it really going to be worth it after everything is said and done? So I feel like really being intentional with how you're spending your money, does it make sense, is a really good piece of advice. And we talk about that a lot, but I'm glad that you said it again. Yeah. And really using it as an opportunity to work together as a couple. Like a lot of times I feel like, again, we're here on International Women's Day, you know, all the work falls to the woman and she's running around trying to like basically manage a second full-time job to plan this wedding. (laughs) And, you know, in an effort to be, to avoid conflict and to be supportive, a lot of times a partner will just, you know, even in gay couples, like a partner will just be like, you got this babe, you know, but that's really missing an opportunity to work together, to work through conflict, to, to voice what's truly important to each of you and put something together that feels like who you are as a couple. And so that's what I really encourage couples to do is don't miss that opportunity. It's really good practice for your marriage. It is. If you have career, children, in-laws, like there's so many times you're going to have conflict in your relationship. So the wedding planning, the honeymoon planning, the budgeting is a very, very good opportunity to practice that because it will definitely come up some more in the marriage as you continue to stay married, which hopefully you do. Yeah. I mean, I'm so glad you said in-laws because that's, this is a really good example of like a time when you can come together as a couple and put some boundaries around your marriage and your decisions with your in-laws. I mean, people have to give you a free pass because it's your wedding day, right? Like it's a great chance to establish boundaries and practice that, you know, unity between the two of you before you get into your mother-in-law's opinion about how you're raising your child or how you're decorating your house or whatever it is, right? Exactly, exactly. So looking towards the future, is there anything currently that you are excited for for Honey Fund? 
I'm so glad you asked me that question. We are actually working on extending honey funds into the marriage. So this is one of the reasons why we care so much about couples happily ever after. We're adding functionality so that you can take your honey fund with you to your next life event. So whether that's baby or, you know, buying a home or starting a business together or whatever it is, and your friends and family can continue to support you. It's also really important that, you know, sometimes mishaps happen in life and you don't, you know, something unexpected. And so knowing that friends and family can be there for you, no matter what happens is really important in your happily ever after. So we are extending honey fund into the whole life cycle. That's awesome. I think that makes so much sense. Like, why not? But I think that's awesome that you guys are doing that. I think it just really shows your dedication to couples and marriage and relationships. And, you know, for the what if, I don't know what company that is, but like, you know, because it really being able to ask for help and receive help is, I think, huge. And I think a lot of people don't think about that. But I think you guys thinking about that for couples and giving them that support throughout their marriage is really awesome. So yay, congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, it's been amazing to have you on the podcast. We are winding down. Is there anything else before we get into our listener questions and our this or that that you wanted to share that we haven't covered on today's episode? Yeah, I wanted to say that along the lines of what you can use Honey Fund for when you're getting married, we actually have seen an uptick in couples using Honey Fund to help cover the cost of the wedding itself. Photography, videography, flowers, open bar, things like that. And a lot of times couples will kind of float that out to their closer friends and family ahead of the you know invitations going out like, hey, is anybody planning to help us? Here's some items that we could use help with. And then you know, kind of the honey fund becomes more of a wedding gift registry once that part of the planning is process is over and those conversations have been had. But a lot of couples are just, you know, about 5% of couples signing up for honey fund now are 5 to 10% are actually putting cost of the wedding on their honey fund wish list. Yeah. I mean, I think why not? It doesn't hurt. And if people are happy to help you and they want to contribute towards something like that, then all the more to it. Plus, I think it helps them feel like they're connected to you too. For sure. So yeah. That's awesome. Okay, so we're going to start to wrap up our episode, but I wanted to ask you, what myth would you like to debunk about honeymoon and honeymooning and travel? Because I'm sure there's a lot of things, misconceptions out there that we have that you know a lot about. More couples than we realize are not taking honeymoons. And I think the reason that they're not has to do with finances and getting time off work and aligning their calendars and feeling like, oh, we could do it, you know, next year or whatever. And when life is a little less stressful, when we're farther out from the wedding planning. But I think, you know, there are also a lot of couples who are at risk for really just not being able to make it happen at all. We've seen in our research things like the state you live in or your racial background or your income level. Even, you know, income level can really usually like affect how many wedding guests you can have and how many people are going to give you a gift. And that can mean you're getting less honey fund money. So our mission is really to make that honeymoon happen for all couples. We're really diving into how we can help those couples, you know, make it happen (laughs) regardless of their circumstances. And so we're really encouraging people to start that honey fund. Don't be shy about it. You know, any little bit helps. And if you need to wait and save for six or 12 more months or a couple years before you can actually go, make sure you make it a priority at some point because it really will help you out in the long term. Yeah, I think I read that on your website too. I think that's really fascinating that, you know, we, I think sometimes we take it for granted, the traditions and 
people being able to take honeymoons or even having like a larger wedding guest list. So I think that's really interesting that you guys bring that up, but, and really awesome that you're helping couples. Okay. So let's get to some of our listener questions. So one listener asked, how do you ask for a honeymoon gift that's not tied to a specific location since we don't know where we're going yet? Yeah. So a lot of couples sign up for honeymoon before they know where exactly they're going to their honeymoon destination. So we actually have a lot of, you know, canned items that you can put on your honeymoon that will work for any destination. So like room upgrades and flights and, you know, excursions, romantic meals, things like that. No matter where you go, you're going to be doing a lot of the same activities. You can also just have an open-ended item on your honey fun page that's just like, hey, we're not sure what we're doing, but we'd love to have a little nest egg to plan for our honeymoon and here's where you can contribute. We just know that guests really love shopping from a, a list of experiences. So that's why we recommend using our canned wish list items. I think it's really smart that you guys have the canned wish list. I know when I was putting together my wedding registry, I remember reading something that like people want to know what they're investing in. So I would write little stories like the pasta attachment is because my husband likes to make pasta and like we don't have one yet. Or like every single recipe that we read asks for a food processor and we don't have one yet. So like the champagne for dinner or whatever. I think it's really smart to have something and they're making them be different costs. So there's like a $50 amount. There's like a $125 amount, like different levels so that people can know what they're comfortable spending at, but they don't feel bad that they're just giving you, you know, $50 for X because that's all they can afford. But they know that this is going towards something more tangible. So I think it's good that you guys have that. Okay. Our second listener asked, which you kind of talked about, is it okay to only have a cash registry? So we talked a little bit about that, but I would love to kind of revisit it with you, having only cash as opposed to other things too. Yeah. I mean, a lot of couples really do need to replenish their savings or help cover the cost of the wedding, or we call it the flexibility fund. Like with COVID, Mm -hmm. you know, you didn't know if your wedding was getting canceled (laughs) when the new variant came out or whatever. And so you just needed like a little backup dough, you know? Right. (laughs) so yeah, it's absolutely fine to have a cash registry. Honey Fund can be used towards, you know, just open-ended donations towards your financial future. Again, if you can say anything about how that cash is going to be used, even if it's just a nest egg, a rainy day fund, whatever it is, that if that helps the couple or the couple's wedding guests feel more connected in and, and excited about helping you out. We've come a long way as far as like being okay with giving cash to couples that are getting married. And I think the biggest thing, guys, for etiquette purposes, just don't put it on the invitation. Have it on your wedding website. Have an insert card that says, you know, for more information, here's our website. And then you can talk about it more tactfully, how you are spending the money or what your money is going to go towards. If it's like a home renovation or if it's like a kitchen project or like buying a new home or whatever it is, people just like to know more specifically that they're not giving you a check that you're going to end up spending that you're not even going to remember. Like having something for them to kind of feel more connected to you is more helpful. But yeah, I think it's okay now to ask for money. This has been great. Now we're going to go to our last segment, which is called this or that. So I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions and then we'll get to know you a little bit more. That's not really necessarily related to the honey fund. Okay. First question. If you remember, what was your AOL instant messenger screen name? growing up. Oh, I laughed so hard when you asked me this. (laughs) So you guys have to realize that I am a little older. I was actually in my 20s when AOL came out. So my screen name was Jazzy Femme. (laughs) I love it. 
<laughs> See, at some point though, we're going to get to a point where I have guests and they don't even know what this is. And a lot of our <laughs> listeners probably don't even know what it is. So it's just bear with me, guys. I think it's funny. <laughs> okay. Overpack or pack light when you go on your honeymoon? Oh God. I mean, my heart says overpack, but my head says pack light. <laughs> I don't know how to answer it. I always overpack, even though I personally believe that packing light is better. Right. And you think you pack light, but you still overpacked. It's ridiculous. Like I, I, the end of the trip comes and I've worn like a quarter of what I packed and I just left right. every single time. Right. I can go on. Okay. Desert or a mountain? I like mountain because I don't like being like hot where I can't escape from it. So I say mountain. Summer vacation or winter vacation? Summer, all day long. Relaxing or exploring? If I had to pick one, relaxing, but I do like to explore too. A little bit, yes. Relaxed exploring. (laughs) (laughs) Big city or small town? I like small towns. I feel like you can get to know the people and you can eat better food and you can, you know, it's just less, less touristy. Right. Um, Using a map or walking aimlessly? Using that for sure. I'm someone like, again, I'm a little older. So before smartphones and GPS, I literally had maps of like everywhere within driving distance that I kept in my glove box at all times. (laughs) I remember when I went in college, we went to, I did like an extended study in Italy and we had a map of Rome and it was laminated and I kept that map. I still have it. Cause I'm like, this is the best map ever. And you can find everything. I'm like, everything circled and I just knew where everything was. So, I mean, I guess you could just drop pins now, but eh. yeah. <laughs> what if you don't have data? Anyways, that's probably also an old thing. Last question, public transportation or renting a car? This one really depends. Public transportation helps you reduce your carbon footprint, which is also important when you're honeymooning to think about, you know, the carbon footprint. Like don't stop traveling, but try to do it responsibly. But some places you really need a car to explore. So it just depends on where you're going. I would agree. Sarah, it was so lovely talking to you. I really appreciate your time. Before I let you go, can you let our listeners know where to find you online? Absolutely. So I love connecting with our members. You can reach me on LinkedIn, Sarah Margulis, M-A-R-G-U-L-I-S. You can also reach HoneyFund, start a HoneyFund account through the app stores or at HoneyFund.com. You can also use it as a wedding website now. So you don't even have to go around creating another wedding website. I need to look into that. Tell my couples about that. And you can follow us on Instagram at HoneyFund. We We have a brand new TikTok with almost a thousand followers now, some really great content that we're doing on TikTok, which is honeyfun underscore official. And yeah, I'd love to hear from members. So reach out. Wonderful. Well, we'll definitely make sure to link to all that in the show notes, which you can find at verveventco.com forward slash 91. Thank you again, Sarah Margolis for being on the show. This was so awesome. I really appreciate having you. Thank you, Desiree. It was so fun talking to you. That wraps up today's conversation with Sarah Margolis of Honey Fund. I hope you enjoyed hearing from her and learned something from our chat. I think it's so great what she and the company are doing for couples and relationships and how they're supporting marriages. So takeaways from today are invest in the honeymoon and regular experiences with your spouse. It also reminds me of my episode with Danielle Leilani in episode 89 and how we talked about the importance of connection with your spouse. So important. 
And also, definitely recommend using Honey Fund when asking for cash gifts from your wedding guests and friends. You can check it out at verveventco.com forward slash Honey Fund. The recent change that they made about making it fee-free is huge and just shows how they're not in it just to make money off of you guys and your guests, which I think is awesome. If you want to know more or you have a question for Sarah, please send me a DM on Instagram at Ask the Planner Podcast or call our wedding planning hotline at 585-210-3467. Again, that's 585-210-3467. Sarah and I are going to be going live for an office hours together with you all on Wednesday, April 12th, but not at night like we normally do, but it will be at 11.30 a.m. Pacific time or 2.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So watch out for that in our Instagram stories and set your reminders so that you can join us. Of course, for the episode show notes, make sure you visit verveventco.com forward slash 94. Again, that's verveventco.com forward slash 94. And now it's time for our review of the week. Today's review comes from C underscore Koi, who writes five stars, trusted wedding advice with all the knowledge. Ask the Planner gives you so many great behind the scenes looks and full access to what it's like to plan a wedding before you actually get into planning a wedding. Desiree had me on as a guest for a wedding videography, and while being a guest was so much fun, I also love listening to her show. Because here's the thing, I know when I hear actual good advice being given. Being an insider, I know when it's lip service or when someone's just trying to do it to fill space and add content. Des doesn't do this. She asks hard questions from wedding professionals that her listeners aren't necessarily going to know to ask. You don't know what you don't know, right? If you want to avoid wedding planning surprises, have questions about planning your wedding that you were maybe too embarrassed to ask, or have been putting off a part of your planning because you haven't wanted to deal with it, this is the podcast for you. It's like having an undercover planner for you. I can't believe how amazing she is. Thank you so much, Cindy, for that super awesome, kind, and sweet, and wonderful review. I cannot believe how much detail you put into it, and I am so appreciative of the time that you took to write that review. If you are new to the show, I interviewed Cindy from Harbor View Studios in episode 39 of the podcast. She and I get into all things wedding videography. Should you have a videographer? How much does it cost? All of the things. So if you're on the fence about having a wedding videographer, definitely listen to her episode in episode 39 of the show to see if it was a good idea for you. That wraps up today's episode. If you're listening to this live originally and you celebrate Easter, a very belated happy Easter to you. Our Easter was pretty tame compared to most Easter's that we've had in the past. My mom usually comes up from Virginia for a visit and we do a whole table and it's such a pretty thing. But this year it was just the four of us, which was actually also really nice and quiet. My husband made ham and the kids and I baked, which was super fun. So yeah, so it was a pretty tame Easter, but I actually kind of glad about it. Coming up on the podcast, we're talking to a wedding stationer and we're also talking about wedding seating arrangements. Both of these were from questions from you all, our listeners. So I'm so excited to be bringing these episodes to you. 
for the 100th episode, Allie and Riley, who work for me here at Verve and also sometimes help out on the podcast, are going to be interviewing me on the show. So it's going to be reverse of what I normally do. So they're going to be interviewing me with questions. So for this week's question of the week, please drop your questions for me in your Apple podcast review of what you want to know from me on the show. It can be about wedding planning. It can be about a wedding business owner and what I do. It can be about my favorite skincare products, worst things that happened to me at a wedding. I don't know. Whatever you guys want, I want to be an open book for you guys. So whatever you guys are curious about, just send us a message or drop it in your review on Apple Podcasts and we will make sure to include it in our episode. And finally, a very big and super special shout out to one of our longtime listeners, Kiki McKee. I actually don't know if that's her real name. That's what she is on Instagram. Sorry, Kiki. I know you're private, but I just wanted to give you a shout out because Kiki is getting married this coming weekend in April. So thank you, Kiki, for helping me plan your wedding from far away via this podcast. Everyone, please send your good vibes to Kiki in California. Yay, Kiki, I'm so excited for you. And that wraps up today's episode. Thank you again for letting me into your life and your earbuds or your commute to work. I love being with you each and every week and feel so grateful for you. By the way, we just hit over 65,000 downloads for the podcast, which I think is crazy. And I know we're going to hit 100,000 downloads really soon. And I want to thank you guys one more time for being so supportive of the show. I really appreciate it. And I just can't wait to keep making more content for you. So thank you and have a wonderful, wonderful week. Thank you so much for listening to Ask the Planner. To make sure you enjoy planning your heirloom occasion, visit asktheplannerpodcast.com where you'll find show notes and ways to connect with me. And if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you hit subscribe and please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts so other couples can find the show and plan their flawless wedding just like you. 